Kia ora. welcome to Under the Checkered Flag, MotoGP edition. I'm your host Kate, and we're just going to jump right in. So, I just want to wish everyone a very happy new year, as it is New Year's Eve when I'm recording this, but it'll be uploaded on New Year's Day, and New Year means MotoGP is even closer and I am so ready for it because goodness I am missing it immensely. I'm actually going out and being social, seeing my friends, seeing my family who I probably haven't seen since June? No, July. I think that was our break this year, wasn't it? So I'm doing all that social stuff. Look at me on a tangent before I even begin. So I'm just going to jump in with basically some of the news because we've actually had some news coming out the first of it is among moto 3 so i don't know do we call them cip moto or chip tip moto have replaced lorenzo felon with ricardo rossi now this is quite i don't know if it's brutal or if it's exciting because from memory and my memory is quite patchy i think felon had a pretty serious injury at the start of 2023 and then his season suffered as a result so for him to lose his seat because of that maybe or i do suppose with moto 3 and moto 2 we have to remember that there's a lot of paid riders they they're paying to be on the grid this isn't you know moto gp moto 2 moto 3 it all needs money and so maybe he just simply couldn't afford it but we saw this via an instagram post they didn't really mention felon they just said that ricardo rossi would be riding for them so that's some interesting moto 3 news to start the year The other big news is coming out in the form of reports from Trackhouse Racing. Now this news really has me excited because we knew that they wanted better bikes. They didn't want to buy the year old bikes from Aprilia, rent them, buy them. I'm not really sure the situation. All I know is I really want small bikes. Send me some small Aprilia bikes, please. I I just spend far too much money on small bikes. You know, those little one by 18 ratio little bikes. Oh, I've got two more on the way and I'm ridiculously excited. What was I talking about? Oh yes, Trackhouse Racing. So the exciting news is it seems like Miguel Oliveira will definitely be on the 2024 chassis and with the 2024 engine. His counterpart teammate, Raul Fernandez, is going to be on the 2024 engine, which I believe would be because he can't change throughout the year. So with the engine rules and regulations and even these new concessions, as far as I'm aware, there'd only be one change allowed for Aprilia and that would be mid-year. So by putting him on that 2024 engine, it sort of negates that worry. So while Aprilia, it sounds like, haven't had the turnaround time available, given how quickly this project has come into being, basically it's all like full send. How quickly all of that's working means that 
Royal Fernandez isn't going to have a 2024 chassis in Qatar or Sepang for the testing. It does sound like Miguel Oliveira may even have it in time for the testing. Definitely in time for the testing at Qatar. So it's just going to be really exciting. And I'm saying this probably as that Aprilia fangirl again, because Aprilia's reliability hasn't been trustworthy so far. So having them come up would be really good. And I really want to see them fighting for a championship. I do have to admit, though, as much as I love Alicia Spargo and Maverick Vinales, I think they need a different rider. And it comes back to that potential silly season that we could be having this year in 2024 because so many riders are going to be up for grabs. I think if Quattararo doesn't get what he wants at the Sepang testing, he will let every single manufacturer know and he will be the first to jump ship because I suppose he does seem to be in the most dire situation at the moment with that Yamaha. I think Rins is going to be great at developing it, but, you know, these riders, they all say it time and time again that they don't have time. It's the exact reason that Marc Marquez has hopped over to Ducati. So that'll just be really interesting because I think Quattararo has that potential to say, if he does jump ship to Aprilia, for him to be that world champion that Aprilia needs. Even if I still want Marc Marquez on that Aprilia so badly, Quattararo is much more likely. Another rider who I'd love to see, and this would be a teammate pairing that I would adore, is Quattararo and Martin at Factory Aprilia. Sorry Miguel Oliveira, sorry Rolf Fernandez, but oh my gosh, I just really want to see that. It'll be so entertaining. One of the other things I'm looking forward to, I suppose, is the possibility that Trackhouse is bringing to MotoGP. Purely in terms of content, I consume so much content, it's utterly ridiculous. Podcasts, YouTube videos, shorts, all of that content. I love it. I love the silly little videos where the riders are doing the Christmas presents, for example. That sort of thing I just find thoroughly entertaining. I'm just really hoping that Trackhouse Racing continues what RNF was starting to do in terms of the content they're coming out with. Seeing all that side content, it just makes it more accessible, I think, and it brings more of the human side to this sport. Knowing the riders have lives outside of this sport, I fully support, which is why I think this sort of content should be coming from teams and MotoGP itself, and it shouldn't be falling back on the riders to be using their own social medias, I suppose. I look at people like my mother, for example. I love her to bits. Mum, if you are listening, you're probably not because you keep asking me to send you the link and I constantly forget. But she understands what's going on in Formula One at the moment. She's basically kept up to date via YouTube shorts or Instagram reels, whichever it is she watches. And it's just been so cool to talk to her about the sport. And it also means my dad, who 
isn't really a motorsport fan, and if I do try and talk to him about MotoGP, I think he'd just despair and leave the room. But it also means that I can talk to my parents about what's going on in Formula One. So they're keeping up from this via the sheer amount of content that Formula One itself is pumping out. I think this is where we are definitely falling down in MotoGP at the moment. And I guess I'm just really hoping that having an American team, they do start pumping out content for me to shamelessly, shamelessly consume. Being the off-season, I had to figure out something to ramble about a bit more, because that's the news segment done. Right up now, I'm going to talk about MotoGP sponsorship, and thank you to Esper, who suggested this topic, because I was just having a brain blank about what to talk about. So, on to MotoGP sponsorship. So how much does it cost to sponsor a bike, a rider, a team in MotoGP, Moto2 or Moto3? You can't really answer that. It's very much, um, how long is a piece of string? Because if you factor in each and every single logistic of MotoGP, there are so many sponsors, it's not even funny, from the title sponsors that partner with MotoGP itself, such as Michelin, DHL. They're the major sponsors, the contracts that are worth more money than I can probably think of off the top of my head. Then you've got your, I suppose, what I'd consider your next level down sponsors, which are the likes of Red Bull, Monster Energy. I know we also have Raw Energy. These interesting sponsors that are more team level rather than partnering with MotoGP itself. And then you also have Red Bull sponsoring the Red Bull Ring and also sponsoring Marc Marquez himself. And what I absolutely find fascinating as a contract term, the fact that Repsol Honda are being blocked from running Red Bull no, they're being blocked from running Monster Energy sponsorship by Red Bull for a full year. That's like a savage contract term that really interests me because why wouldn't you put that in there? Monster Energy have got to be kicking themselves and Honda have got to be kicking themselves because that's a lot of money lost right there. And although riders can, I suppose, They'll be able to run Monster Energy hats and things like that, maybe, if they're not an official Honda merchandise and things like that. It's truly just fascinating, that side of things as well. You also then have all the other forms of sponsorship. So you've got the trucks that these riders and all their gear gets lugged around in that's going to be a form of sponsorship. You've got BMW being an official partner, which is genius move because we see their official safety bike. Although we don't really see it a lot, I imagine the other manufacturers would be putting up quite a fuss. BMW is still in our mind every time we watch 
MotoGP because you do have that safety bike, which we don't really see, but you've also got the safety car, which is BMW, which is genius marketing. Whoever came up with that idea, I'm sure they're paid very, very well because the amount of exposure they're getting just by having BMW on the grid without actually being on the grid, it has me talking about them right now. So it's done its job. So falling down the sponsorship rabbit hole and however much people spend, I ended up down the livery rabbit hole because I like looking at the bikes. They're just so pretty. So what I've done is I've actually ordered how much I like each livery from my least favourite all the way up to my most favourite. I'm also throwing in special liveries and I've probably forgotten a few knowing my brain. So apologies in advance. Knowing me I've forgotten official team or something. But anyway, straight out of the bat, the livery I dislike the most is Repsol Honda. I know this may be controversial as a lot of people love Repsol Hondas because it's an iconic one. It's been around for so long, but that's exactly why I don't like it. I want something fun, something more interesting. And so, yeah, sorry Repsol Honda, someone's got to be bottom of the list. Up next, I've put VR46. I just despised the Mooney VR46 livery. I'm really hoping next year they put it together in a way that makes the bike not look like it's just got stamps all over it. Although, thinking about that, I've placed one higher up that looks quite similar. But alas, this could just be Kate Mark Marquez fangirl bias here. But either way, VR46, second to last. Up next, Gas Gas. It's just boring. There's nothing exciting about it. The next one is the Divine Comedy livery that Pramac ran this year. They had a sort of hot and cold theme. Video viewers, I'll have a picture on screen now. But I just, I thought it could have been done a lot nicer. I did like the fact it really helped distinguish the bikes really quickly, which I always find very helpful when trying to find who's just done that overtake and being able to tell Martin from Zarco just in the blink of an eye was quite nice. Up next I've put the Ducati regular livery. Although they do have that really cool starter motor insert hole in the middle of that O for the Lenovo, I just, I think it's a bit too much red. Then I've gone Yamaha regular livery. Maybe it's because I didn't see it much this year, but I just thought it bland. Pramac regular livery. For this year, I have voted them pretty low because maybe I'm just missing the blue, but I do like the pastel colors, but the blue just, yeah, I miss it. I want to bring back the blue. Up next, I've gone with Mark Marquez's testing livery. Now I really liked this and the way that he actually still did a livery even though basically he couldn't run sponsorship and things like that due to the absolute mess 
actually that's something I'm going to check out straight after this video. Will When will Mark Marquez change his Instagram story from Repsol Honda Rider to Ducati or Grassini Rider? Tangent aside, up next I've gone with RNF's regular livery. I kind of like it. I like the colours of it. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Trackhouse bring to the field in terms of livery. Because I... I appreciate the nod to Nikki Hayden in the one that they've already revealed, but oh, I haven't actually included that one in this list, so you know, just imagine it included. But the RNF livery is really quite well done, I think. But one that I think is better than it was their Barbie livery. I adored it. The pink bike, yes, can we get some more pink on the grid please? I love it. I didn't love the fact that it did seem to break the bikes though. From memory, both Miguel Oliveira and Raul Fernandez had to retire from that race. So I get the very distinct feeling. The livery looked good, but it didn't work good. After Barbie livery, I've gone with the LCR livery. Just their regular one. It's nice. It's clean, it gets to the point, and after that I've gone with Aprilia. Now these two I know, because I voted VR46 so low, I just, I feel a bit bad about having these two so high up because like VR46, they are stampy liveries. So it very much looks like someone's just gone and taken a stamp all over these three bikes. But I just think, the LCR and Aprilia have blended it all a bit better rather than just having a bright orange stripe across the bike. It seems blended better. That's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Up next I have gone with the, I'm sorry I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, which is terrible considering we hear it quite frequently, but the Idemitsu livery. I think it's done really nicely. It's clean, it's pretty, it's got a little bit more design than a lot of the other bikes. Now I guess we go here more than more special liveries because up next is the Ducati yellow livery. I just think this is always done so beautifully and we should see lots lots more of it because it's just so nice. It just looks so good. And it's yellow. <laughs> Which, for someone who is colorblind, the fact that I like the yellow livery so much more than the red one, given the fact that my brain sees colors differently, it's just interesting to me as well. After the yellow livery, I've actually gone with the KTM regular livery. I think the KTM Red Bull livery just looks so good. It blends so well on the bike and the colours just complement each other so well. Rin's testing livery actually takes the third from the top spot. It's gorgeous, the monster energy, the fact it's just so clean and the lines, oh masterpiece. Whoever designed that, oh my gosh give them a raise. It's a beautiful livery and I I am totally here for it. I love it. I adore it. It's only bested by two other liveries in my list. 
and the one that has bested it is KTM's testing livery. I'm talking the zebra. That zebra livery is ingenious. The way that they were using it is utterly incredible to try and distinct distinguish, to try and disguise their new aero using this livery to make it really painful on the eyes. I imagine the Honda, Ducati, Yamaha, all the engineers were looking at it and going, bugger, I cannot see what they're doing there. I imagine they have been studying and analysing the pictures of that livery to try and figure out what aero KTM are going to come out with next year because it's going to be so intensely cool, I think. Not cool enough of a disguise to take my top spot, though. And that is probably always going to be the same top spot every single year. It's when LCR runs their green Castrol livery. That is just a masterpiece and is so beyond beautiful, that bike. I'm so glad we got to see Rins in it and Bradle in it. Oh, I'm just so glad whenever it's on the grid, I could just stare at this bike for days on end. In fact, the background screen of my computer is, well, one of them, because I've got one of those rotation things going on, one of them is this bike, and it's magnificently beautiful. And, yeah, like I said, I can just stare at it for hours. So, do let me know if you don't agree with me for those, because I know some of those ratings, especially the Repsol Honda one, a lot of people are going to disagree with and yeah let me know why you disagree with me as well because it's just so interesting to me liveries and their sponsorship and the way it all ties together and the fact there's someone who has to choose where each thing goes on the bike and make it all look pretty it's just very fascinating to me and I've been able to ramble about it for a good 10 minutes I think so that shows how interested in it I am. One thing I'm a little bit frustrated about is the lack of announcements for livery dates. I would like some more announcements for livery dates. I know exactly when all the Formula One ones are going to be, but so far I think only Grissini have announced when they'll be releasing their livery. The sooner the better, so I can stare at more pretty bikes. But for now, that is it from me and my rambles. If you're still here, thank you so much for listening to me ramble. I appreciate it. Like and subscribe if you feel up to it, and I will be back here rambling away next week. When Pozza's back on the show, which will hopefully be next week, it might be the week after, we are going to be doing a rider's rating for all the riders of Moto3 and Moto2 before we, I suppose, launch our predictions for next season so definitely join us for that have a splendid new year and i hope if you are making a resolution that you stick to it go to the gym for more than one week you know you can do it